Welcome again to the Lydia Magritte channel. Today I'm going to be talking about the book of Acts and Paul's epistles. So this is a bit of a departure. I'm more often talking about the Gospels, but I think it's uh, very exciting to have the opportunity to talk about Acts as well. The book of Acts, of course, was written by the same author as the Gospel of Luke. And so evidence of that author's reliability is evidence of the reliability of the Gospel of Luke as well, though indirectly. My attention's been drawn to this topic lately because my friend Eric Manning of Testify has been doing just an excellent series of videos on evidence for acts. He's been answering a number of criticisms that the scholar Bart Ehrman has brought against the reliability of acts go and check those out. He's, I'm not even going to try to answer them here. Um, he's, he's doing a great job using some of the material that um, my husband Tim has brought forward and so forth. And then he's also been bringing forward some of the positive evidence for the reliability of uh, Acts and the fact that the author of Acts was the companion of the Apostle Paul. So I'm kind of coming in here now a little bit late to that party and uh, doing something on that as well. But before I, I even was doing a YouTube channel years ago, um, I published in 2017 a, a book called Hidden in Plain View. And Eric's been using some of that material as well in his recent videos. There's a lot more than what I'm going to be giving you here today get a hold of a copy of Hidden in Plain View. The entire second section is on the Book of Acts and its intersections with uh, Paul's epistles. Paley's book, The Horai Polini, which I will try to remember to link in the show notes, is um, also excellent on this. I got a lot of my material from there and it's completely free because it's out of copyright. Now I'm going to try to be including a map with today's broadcast, uh, at, at least as a thumbnail and possibly at another point in the video. And I'm also going to put the outline and the, the scripture references in the show notes as well. So I hope that that will make it easier to follow along. Uh, at a minimum, if you've got a Bible that has a map of Paul's uh, missionary journeys in that area around Asia Minor and Greece, maybe in the back of your Bible or something, you can open that up and get hold of that map as well, and that will also help. Something interesting came out when Bart Ehrman uh, had, has been criticizing the Book of Acts for a long time. Eric's made some recent videos answering some of these, and then one of the viewers of the Testify channel sent a question to Ehrman, and this is how the question went. According to Dr. Ehrman, the author of Acts was not a companion of Paul, but he wanted it to appear that he was a companion of Paul. And this is why he brings in all of these details about all the places that they went through, uh, according to Acts, you know, all the places that Paul traveled to. Just an amazing uh, number of, of details there. The external evidence is outrageously good. Please check out Colin Hemer's uh, book on the book of Acts for more of this. Okay, so the question goes, if he was bringing in all that material, 
which is going to a certain amount of trouble to make his partially or largely made-up book appear to be true, why didn't he at least get hold of copies of Paul's letters and read them and make sure he wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't contradicting them? Wouldn't you have expected he would do that? Um, and this is kind of challenging Armin's idea that there are these contradictions. In fact, they're fairly easily answerable uh, or so uh, Tim has argued, I have argued, Eric's argued, many others have argued. Um, so really, it, it's almost like we've got a, a really clever author, but also kind of a careless author that he didn't even check what he was doing with Paul's epistles. Well, now here's the surprise. In answer to that, uh, Dr. Ehrman said, well, how do you know that Paul's epistles were widely circulating by that time? Now, he thinks the Book of Acts was written in 85. I don't think it was written that late. But he was still challenging the idea that that his letters, Paul's letters, were uh, circulating widely by that time. In a way, you could say that's a natural thing for Ehrman to say, uh, because he thinks that the author of Acts is just bumbling and contradicting the letters. But it's also a kind of a um, committal thing to say, and he's, I believe, without realizing it, boxing himself into a corner. He's blocked out the idea that the author was a companion of Paul. So if there are agreements between the letters and the, uh, and the book of Acts, he can't say he got that because he was a friend of Paul's. But now he's also blocking off the idea that he read the letters and that's how he managed to make Acts agree. So Ehrman's so focused on alleged disagreements, he's not thinking of how to account for uh, the agreements, many of which are quite striking, as I'll be arguing today. And I also, I agree with Ehrman that the author of Acts was not reading the letters and basing Acts on them. I think uh, there are a number of indications of independence, but I have a way of accounting for these amazing agreements with the epistles. That's because I actually think he was telling the truth. I think he actually was a friend of Paul's. Ehrman hasn't allowed himself either of those options, and I think that's going to make it difficult for him. So without further ado, I'm going to start talking about a series of events in the life of the Apostle Paul from the letters, and then comparing that to um, the book of Acts, and then we'll see this amazing dovetail. First, I'm going to show these events in the life of Paul and even in the life of Timothy from the letters alone. Then I'm going to show them from the book of Acts alone. I think that'll be effective because you get to see how astonishingly well they fit together, though indirectly. It doesn't look like Acts is based on the letters, but he's agreeing with them. The letters I'll be using are first and 2 Corinthians and Romans. Uh, those are the relevant ones. As it happens, these are also acknowledged to be written by Paul, even by Bart Ehrman. In the Bible, as they're printed, they're not in chronological order. We can tell the chronological order from Paul's references to a collection he was taking up of money for the, the poor Christians in Jerusalem, that it goes 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then Romans. So I'm going to start 
by pointing out that at this time of Paul's life, he was in the city of Ephesus in Asia Minor. He pretty much as much as says so in 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9. But I shall remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So he's saying, I, I'm, I'm doing a very effective ministry here, so I'm going to stay here in Ephesus for a while. He's in Ephesus when he writes it. Okay, next, when he writes 1 Corinthians, he is in Ephesus with Aquila and Priscilla. For that, we look at 1 Corinthians 16, 19. The churches of Asia greet you, that's Asia Minor. Aquila and Prisca greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. So he's in Ephesus, he's writing to Corinth over in Greece, and he's sending the greetings of Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Prisca say hi. Okay. He had already already sent Timothy to Greece. Corinth is in Greece. He'd already, he'd already sent him at the time that he writes this letter. We get that in 1 Corinthians 4, 17. Go back here. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ. So he's sent Timothy. Now, we're going to infer a little bit that he has sent Timothy by way of Macedonia. This is where the map will come in handy, but just in broad terms, um, you could get to Greece by an overland route from Ephesus by going north, then across the, the, the top there, and then over into Macedonia, which was above Greece. Macedonia is still above Greece today. And then south down into Greece and to Corinth. And I'm saying that we can infer that that is the route that Timothy was going to take. How can we infer that from the letter? Well, we go back to Acts 16.10. Now, if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid, for he is doing the Lord's work as I also am. All right, so Paul seems a little unsure whether Timothy is going to get there. He sent him, but apparently there's some length to the journey. And note, he expects his letter to get to them before Timothy himself gets to them. Now, on the map, which I'm using by permission from Dward Publishing, that was made for the book Hidden in Plain View. It shows that you could go across uh, by a, a water route, which would be quicker, from Ephesus to Corinth. But you could also do that overland route that I just described, north through Troas, across, uh, through Macedonia, and then down south. I think that Paul went ahead and sent this letter by the water route. And, that, and that's why he expected it to get to them quickly. He was very worried about them. And so that also makes sense that he wanted his letter to get there as fast as possible. But that Timothy was going to be going through Macedonia first. And I think that, that this, is, this can be inferred from those verses I just read, 1 Corinthians 4.17 and 16.10, because then the letter gets there and then later Timothy comes down uh, the longer way, or at least he hopes that he will. 
and sends them directions to respect him if he comes. All right. Now, after staying in Ephesus for a while, and we read where he said, I'm going to stay in Ephesus till Pentecost, Paul was going to go to Greece himself following that same route through Macedonia. Now, here he's quite explicit. 1 Corinthians 16, 5 through 7. But I shall come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia. And perhaps I shall stay with you or even spend the winter that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. Um, notice that since he's attending to go to Macedonia, he's saying, well, he could have come with come over there uh to Corinth and then gone north to Macedonia, but then he would have seen them only briefly in passing. Instead, he's going to go carry out his business, go through Macedonia and come down and then be able to spend some time with them. Generally, they didn't sail in the winter months, and so he would um, sail with them instead, uh, or stay with them instead um, for several months, possibly for a winter. Okay, so Paul's also going to follow that overland route. Um, and then what's interesting is from 2 Corinthians and Romans, we know that he did follow this route from Ephesus through Troas, through Macedonia, and so into Greece. How do we find that out? Well, we go to 2 Corinthians. So now we're not just at his plans. We're talking about what he actually did. 2 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13, clearly written after 1 Corinthians from the content. Now, when I came to Troas... For the gospel of Christ, I had no rest for my spirit, not finding Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went on to Macedonia. Okay, so he's talking about Troas was still in Asia Minor, Minor, and he got there. He was hoping to meet Titus, but didn't, and then he went on to Macedonia, and he's writing 2 Corinthians from Macedonia. We can tell that by going to 2 Corinthians 9. So he's, he's writing letters, sending them ahead. This is a great bit about his fundraising. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, beginning in verse 2. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians. So he's in Macedonia boasting, namely that Achaia, that's Greece, that's Corinth, has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I have sent the brethren that are boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, that as I was saying, you may be prepared. So I'm telling them you've been prepared since last year. You better be prepared with that money. Lest if ahem, any Macedonians come with me and we find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, should be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift. Okay. I, I love this. I mean, Paul is a little bit manipulative here. Um, so he's in Macedonia. It's north of Greece. And he's saying, well, you know, the people in Corinth have been giving a lot and they've, they've been ready since last year. And he's writing to the Corinthians and saying, get your money ready because I'm going to bring some Macedonians with me and it'll be really embarrassing if you don't have your money ready. So please get it ready. So that means he, he carried out that that plan, you know, to go 
north and uh, then to to go through Macedonia and then eventually he's going to come down uh, to Greece. And we can tell that he came down to Greece from Romans, which is written after both of the Corinthian letters. Romans 16, 1 and 2, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is at Cancrea, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and help her in whatever matters she may have need of you. So Cancrea was a port of Corinth. So he's clearly writing Romans from Corinth. He's writing to the Christians in Rome. He's, Phoebe is clearly the, the male, male lady. Okay, so he's, he's sending this letter with her and commending her. So he's, he's writing from Corinth because she's from uh, a servant of the church at Cancrea. And he's giving her that letter to deliver. So he carried out that plan. Okay, and then one more point. After going to, um, oh, two more points, yes. After uh, being in Greece, he intended to travel to Jerusalem. We get that from Romans 15, 25 and 26. But now I am going to Jerusalem, serving the saints for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. So he's he's collected that money that he's been talking about in first and second Corinthians. He's got it together and he's going to go and deliver it because it was for the poor in Jerusalem. Clearly says he's planning to go to Jerusalem. And then final point, after going to Jerusalem, Paul intended to travel to Rome. And he says this is in that same section in Romans Romans 15, 23, but now with no further place for me in these regions, and since I have had for many years a longing to come to you whenever I go to Spain, I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. And then skipping to verse 28, therefore, when I have finished this, delivering the money to Jerusalem, and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on by way of you to Spain. Now, we don't know if he ever actually got to Spain or not, but this is clearly saying that after he's delivered the money at Jerusalem, he plans to go to Rome. As it turned out, it appears that Paul went to Rome as a prisoner. Um, that that appears from Acts, which was probably not what he had in mind, but he, he was planning to go to Rome after he had been in Jerusalem. Okay, so there are our points. Paul was in Ephesus with Aquila and Priscilla. He wrote 1 Corinthians at that time when he had already sent Timothy to Greece by way of Macedonia. After staying in Ephesus for a while, he was planning to go to Greece himself following that same route through Macedonia. He did follow that route from Ephesus to Troas through Macedonia and on to Greece. After being in Greece, he intended to travel to Jerusalem. And after traveling to Jerusalem, he intended to travel to Rome. We got that. We've got all that from just the epistles. Now, for the truly awesome part, we're going to get all of those things from the book of Acts as well. And I think when I'm done, you'll see that this, this is not something that we could have all those points of correspondence if the author of Luke didn't know something about Paul's travels, even his intentions in travels, um, and his plans and his routes uh, in detail, that that would be just not possible for him to have all of this in Acts 
without being his companion or knowing of the letters. And I think his being his companion is the better explanation. So that's the next thing we're going to be doing. And here we go. From Acts, we're going to get the same series of facts, but more indirectly. Okay. To know that Paul was in Ephesus in Acts, all you have to do is look at Acts 19. I'm obviously not going to read the whole chapter. And you may say, well, it's not that big of a deal for the author of Acts to know that Paul was in Ephesus at some point. We're just getting started. Paul is in Ephesus in Acts 19. You can either take my word for it or pick up Acts 19 and read it. Okay. Now, we can infer that he either was or could plausibly have been with Aquila and Priscilla. We can Now, remember, we found that when he wrote 1 Corinthians, he was in Ephesus with Aquila and Priscilla. In an indirect way, we find the same thing in Acts, but it's not done uh, overtly in any way. Um, back in Acts 18, it talks about Paul coming with Priscilla and Aquila. And it says, and they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. And then he, he went in Acts 18 and traveled some other places. And they stay in Ephesus for quite a while. And in Acts uh, 18, 24 through 27, they meet, uh, they meet Apollos. And they send, uh, they, they teach Apollos, and eventually he goes to Corinth which is another interesting connection between Corinthians and Acts. Um, and you'll notice the people in Corinth actually know them, and that comes up earlier in Acts 18. He's with them in Corinth as well. So that fits with his sending greetings uh, from them when they're with him in Ephesus. So they're, they're still in Ephesus there, and then at the beginning of Acts 19, Paul comes back to Ephesus, and then it's all about his doings in Ephesus in Acts 19. Now, we don't know, you know, how long they stayed in Ephesus, but they easily could still have been with him during his ongoing ministry in Ephesus, which would fit with that greeting from them in 1 Corinthians. All right, next point. He, I said he wrote 1 Corinthians when he had already sent Timothy to Greece, to Corinth. And I, I read you his statement that he'd sent him. Well, let's look at Acts 19.22. And having sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. Now, I'm arguing we can put the writing of 1 Corinthians like right there in that verse when he stays in Ephesus for a while after sending Timothy. Notice there's no mention of Erastus in um in the epistles um i mean in the place where he says he sent timothy he doesn't mention sending timothy and erastus now if you're not getting confused you may say wait a minute that says he sent timothy to macedonia it doesn't say he sent him to uh to corinth well that's part of the indirectness of it but if you go forward to acts 20 verse 4 uh two through four in fact it says that he came to greece and he's there, and he's getting ready to set off to, to go to Jerusalem. And it lists a whole bunch of people. I won't read the whole list. Um, 
there are more correspondences with the epistles, by the way, in verse 4. But among others, it mentions Timothy being with him, Acts 20, verse 4. So Timothy made it eventually to Greece. So notice the indirectness here. Acts doesn't say anything about his being worried about the Corinthians. It doesn't say anything about his sending Timothy to Corinth to talk to them or help them or preach to them or anything like that. It says he sent him and Erastus to Macedonia, and then you go forward to the next chapter and you realize he's continued from Macedonia and made it into Greece. Very indirect. Does not look like it's based on the epistle, okay, of of 1 Corinthians, but it's it fits together perfectly sent Timothy and also that he sent him by way of Macedonia. There we go. In in Acts 19.22, having sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. And then Timothy makes it to Greece. So Timothy took that overland route just as we inferred in 1 Corinthians. And apparently he wrote his letter and sent it by the faster route fits together beautifully like a jigsaw puzzle to make a single picture. After staying in Ephesus for a little while, mentioned in both places, Paul was going to go to Greece himself following the same route through Macedonia. Well, let's back up. Acts 19.21. Now, after these things were finished, Paul purposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So the author of Acts is talking about his plans. And what are his plans? Okay, to to go through Macedonia and Achaia. Now, he was talking about this, this very journey, planning this very journey in talking to the people in Corinth. He said, I don't want to stay with you for just a little while. I will stay with you for longer after I go through um, Macedonia. Notice it, it even says, Acts 20, verse 3, I wasn't going to point this out, but it's just too beautiful. He says, he came to Greece, and there he spent three months. There's the time when he said, I hope to spend some time with you, maybe spend the winter with you. It's right there in Acts 20, verse 3. But how indirectly there he spent three months. Okay, it doesn't doesn't say because he, you know, loved the people of Corinth. He wanted to spend some time with them, but there it is. Okay, same intention that Paul has. Then I had Paul did follow this route from Ephesus through Troas to Macedonia and so into Greece. Acts 20, 1 and 2. After the uproar had ceased, that's the riot in Ephesus we haven't talked about here, Paul sent for the disciples, and when he had exhorted them and taken his leave, he departed to go to Macedonia. And when he had gone through those districts and given them much exhortation, he came to Greece. So that's that that overland route. You remember he mentioned going through Troas, going through Macedonia, and eventually coming to Greece. So he did accomplish it, just as we found in the epistles of 2 Corinthians and Romans. After that, I had Paul intended to travel to Jerusalem. Yup, I just read that, right? Now, after these things, Paul purposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia. And finally, after going to Jerusalem, Paul intended to travel to Rome, saying, 
end of Acts 19.21, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. And that's what he wrote to the Romans. Notice there's no mention in all of this of the uh, collection of money. From the epistles, we know he's collecting money from uh, Macedonia and Achaia, and, and that's why he's going, part of why he's going to Jerusalem. Later in Acts, there's a very brief mention when Paul is staying, um, standing before one of the Roman officials that he was bringing alms to his nation, he says. Um, but that's like chapters later uh, and, and just brief. Here is when he's collecting that. It's obviously on his mind. That's what he's doing when he goes through uh, Macedonia and Achaia, but Luke doesn't mention it. Paul does. It's clearly the same journey. It's undeniably the same journey. And of course, Luke tells us that he did go to Jerusalem where he was captured, and then he went to Rome, probably in a way he hadn't intended to. Now, I really think we need to ask ourselves, how could the author of Acts have all of these wonderful correspondences with Paul's plans, his intentions, what he actually carries out, his travel, even the travel of Timothy that are mentioned in the epistles without being a companion of Paul. Um, if he got it from the epistles, why does he do it so indirectly? Um, if he was being careful to try to work it in in this really uh, hyper subtle way, then we could ask why are there even the appearances of contradiction that uh, Bart Ehrman alleges with, uh, he says Galatians and First Thessalonians, and uh, he says the theology in Romans is in contradiction to Paul's theology in Acts. Um, so, you know, he could have at least avoided any appearance of, of conflict, but he's not, he's not trying to give a certain effect He's just telling the truth that he knows. And he knows these things. I think it's clear because he's actually in touch with what Paul was doing at that time. He's in touch with the truth. And it's consistent with, beautifully coherent with, what Paul says in the epistles because those are telling the truth as well. And that's what undesigned coincidences do for us. So I hope you'll watch Eric's channel as well, and I may be doing more here, also concerning Acts. I wanted to give you that from the epistles, point by point, this point check, this point check, this point check from Acts, and to show that this is undeniably the same series of events in the life of Paul told from a different perspective. That's exciting evidence for the reliability of Acts and indirectly for the reliability of Luke. I'm Lydia McGrew.